That's you. Trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with the hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a solo podcast with your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In Broad Daylight. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. This is my solo politics and news podcast. I haven't done an episode in a while because, as I explained on this week's episode of Unpopular Opinion, I just haven't felt like talking about politics much lately. It kind of feels like an off-season, like the impeachment sort of feels like a mid-season replacement show that we know is just going to get canceled and not really go anywhere. But, you know, we're watching it because there's nothing else on TV right now. So that was then, though. Now it is... 2020 or as i record this december 31st 2019 so let's make this quick i got partying to do just joking who still parties on new year's eve come on but also if you were hoping we'd kick off 2020 with a slightly less popular trump in office this is not going to be your year here's an article for you to check out trump obama tie for america's most admired man of the year It's on Salon.com by Daniel Politi. And just like the headline implies, in Gallup's annual poll of the most admired men in America, Donald Trump and Barack Obama tied for first, which is kind of like if the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns both managed to win the Super Bowl this year. Seemingly improbable, but in this case, it happened. But Obama has... He's actually somehow been on top of this list for 12 years now. So I guess he's more like the New England Patriots, especially the part where he likes to spy on people a bunch. Am I right? (laughs) Oh, football jokes to kick off 2020. But this is Trump's first year on top of the list. His approval rating currently sits at around 45%, which is up from 40% in 2018 and 36% in 2017. So I don't know if that's where a lot of us thought the Trump presidency would be at when year four finally kicked off. He's being impeached for fuck's sake. He's been impeached. It's just a matter of will he be removed from office. And nevertheless, that approval rating soaring 45%. But back to this poll, Michelle Obama is in first place on the most admired woman list. Because admiration is a thing we still need to to gender out and split up, which uh, is honestly probably true, uh, but also not true. This could just be most admired person, but or maybe they have a most admired person. I don't know. Maybe that list is still coming. But Michelle Obama topped the list of most admired woman and fortunately not tied with Melania Trump for first. But Melania Trump did come in second placing ahead of Oprah Winfrey. Oprah! Who the fuck likes Melania Trump more than Oprah? That's insane! Also, Greta Thunberg was 
in fourth place, which that's fine. She's new on the scene. She's young. We st- she's still got a couple albums to crank out before we make our decisions. But Oprah behind Melania Trump? Crazy. Like, are we sure Melania is still even alive? I feel like I haven't seen her speak in over a year. I know I've seen like video and in, in clips of her, but I don't even know if that's the real Melania. Melania Trump is my favorite true crime podcast of the year. Anyway, if you want more proof of the unwavering nature of Trump supporters, I have an article to recommend. And I know this is exactly the kind of thing you want to read kicking off 2020. Here's the headline. Nothing less than a civil war. These white voters on the far right see doom without Trump. That's on NewYorkTimes.com, NYTimes.com. Come on, you already know that. By Asted W. Herndon. And it talks about a place in Golden Valley, Arizona called Great American Pizza in Subs. Anyone ever been? They have things on the menu like a MAGA sub, Liberty Bell lasagna, Second Amendment pizza that's loaded with sausage and pepperoni. (laughs) Some real dear leader shit, basically. There would absolutely be a chain of great North Korean pizza and subs if there was enough available food in that country for it. But great American pizza and subs in October held their first Trump stock celebration. That's how much they fucking love Trump. They had a festival for him at their pizza restaurant gathering for Trump supporters, obviously. But I'm sure Trump stock will also be the name of something you can like buy to help destroy the economy at some point in the near future, right? Trump stock, either Trump stock or Trump coin. One of those two things is coming. The article features some really amazing quotes from Trump supporters like this one. I don't have a problem with Muslims, but can they take the rag off their head out of respect for our country? That's Angus Smith. Arizona resident, Trump supporter, Muslim rights activist, clearly. There was also a speaker at the event, Evan Syed, who is a conservative writer, and uh, this was one of his quotes. There is no difference between the Democratic Socialists and the National Socialists. Democrats are the heirs to Adolf Hitler. And now, I get that this is a small gathering of Trump supporters, and I don't know who the fuck Evan Syed is. I'm sure people on the right do, but... This is something I brought up on the most recent episode of Unpopular Opinion. I've brought it up a few times. If Republicans successfully put Democrats on the defensive over Nazi comparisons in 2020, we are officially living in upside-down world and all hope is lost. The left is the side that should still absolutely be on the forefront of making Nazi comparisons when it comes to these two parties. And... Like I mentioned earlier this week, that I guess I don't really see the harm in pointing out that if we're going to call the Nazis socialists, it's worth pointing out that Trump's immigration policy is pretty in line with what that brand of socialism did to make Germany great again. I don't think anyone is seriously taking into account that Trump's immigration plan is just a huge transfer of wealth from one group to another. And one of the first things, not first things, but one of the early things the Nazis did to make the population a little more comfortable with uh, being governed by Nazis was they took property and things and livelihoods from Jewish people, removed them from society, 
and move German citizens into all of those holes in the economy. It's really, really simple math. And it's very obvious that that's what Trump's immigration plan is designed to do. So if Republicans are going to be the ones to start making Nazi comparisons, let's have that talk. Fucking say yes. Our policies are socialist policies, but the good kind of socialism, the people calling us Nazis are the actual Nazis. And now we can super duper prove it since they brought it up because people on the right are so sensitive about Nazi comparisons until now for some reason. So fuck it. Let's have the Nazi talk in 2020. I feel like Democrats can win the Nazi talk very fucking easily, but I also don't have a lot of confidence that that's a thing we're going to engage in or would even engage in successfully if we did. But on the bright side, there were only like a hundred or so attendees at Trump's stock, mostly white as you'd expect, but the lineup of guests was a little more diverse than you might expect. Brian Talbert, founder of Deplorable Pride, a right-wing LGBT organization, was in attendance. During his speech, he said Hillary Clinton should, quote, be hanging at the end of a rope for treason. Yeesh. There was also Marco Gutierrez, co-founder of Latinos for Trump, and piggybacking on to the Latinos for Trump message was a rapper named Nightmare, a pro-Trump rapper. What does that sound like? Glad you asked. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare. One of those was me. Democrats mad because they can't overthrow it. Lie after lie after motherfucking lie. Now they won't go to sin. What? Yeah, I wonder why. Because they ain't got shit but a fabricated story. Watch the damn debates and you'll end up snoring. Who can beat Trump? Man, story and snoring don't rhyme, you motherfucker. Political game like here. Vote for us so we can take away your job. Give it to a nigga named Alibaba. Whoa! And make it all free. Just remember when it's time that you must vote D. Trying to do away with the voter registration trying to start a war are, are democrats the one trying to do away with voter registration epstein was a victim of a clinton suicide the ones who speak up epstein was the victim of a clinton suicide is clinton suicide like a fucking free alex jones okay 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 is right that's nightmare he is a pro-trump rapper who appeared at trump stock and he's got another song called I Go Hard. Uh, not hard enough to reveal his real name, though. He just goes by nightmare and mostly hides his face online. PC culture out of control, I'm sure. But the most alarming part of this article by far comes at the end when a Trump supporter named Mark Vialta said he'd be stockpiling guns in case Trump isn't reelected. This is his quote. Nothing less than a civil war would happen. I don't believe in violence, but I'll do what I got to do. Here's the thing. I'm starting to not believe Trump supporters when they say that. But maybe that's just me being overly optimistic. Like a lot of things have happened in the past that Second Amendment type swore would bring them out into the streets to start firing guns at people. But they don't. Because a lot of these motherfuckers know they're going to get put down forcefully pretty fucking quick. But that's all assuming the police are still on our side by the time that all happens. Again, could just be me being too optimistic 
for 2020. I'm sure we'll have a chance to see either way. So what's keeping people in Trump's camp? Well, there's obviously the part where a a certain portion of the population thinks his presidency is ordained by God and nothing we can do will undo it, except that one publication that stepped out of line recently. Interested to see the financials on their offerings from the congregation in 2020. Hit them in the pocketbook, Trump supporters, you motherfuckers. So what is keeping people in Trump's camp? There is the economy, for starters. If you want to read an article about that, check out thehill.com, an article by Zach Budrick called Trump Official. Everyone who wants a job can get a job in Trump country. And those are the words of Peter Navarro, director of the White House's Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. In a radio interview last Sunday, this was his exact quote, everybody who wants a job can get a job in the Trump economy. Everybody who wants to look for a better job has more opportunity to do so. And that gives families sitting around the kitchen table a lot of comfort. And he's probably right about that in some respects. Unemployment right now is at 3.5% as of early December. That's pretty low. But also those economic numbers are kind of misleading. There's a good counterpoint article out there that you can read in regards to this on Yahoo News. It's called The Biggest Myth of the Trump Economy, written by senior columnist Rick Newman. And he points out that the economy has been steadily improving since 2009, mostly independent of presidential policy, be it Obama's policies or Trump's policies. In fact, GDP growth has been kind of uh, stuck at around 3% under Obama and Trump both. And that's because there are economic factors that can be influenced by presidential policy, but neither of those presidents have uh, bothered doing either of those things. The one Trump policy that is actually impacting the economy right now is the trade war with China. And if anything, that's hurting the economy, at least for now. The problem with all that is that those are talking points that won't matter a whole bunch to people who at least perceive Trump as the reason they have a job now. I've been saying for about 25 years now that Trump's deportation efforts are going to lead to immediate job opportunities that aren't all just picking strawberries. And everyone knows that. That's one of the first things when people bring up mass deportations. That's one of the first things people bring up as a defense is that, oh, Americans don't want to do those jobs. So if you deport a bunch of people, the economy will collapse. And I cannot tell you enough. That is a myth. And if you want to read an article that demonstrates that pretty well, check out After Ice Raids, A Reckoning in Mississippi's Chicken Country on NewYorkTimes.com by Richard Fawcett. It talks about these ice raids that were carried out at seven chicken plants in Mississippi on August 7th. 680 Hispanic workers arrested. Largest statewide immigration crackdown in recent history. And you know what that means? 680 job openings at those chicken plants. Some of the people interviewed in this article got jobs hours after that raid happened. Almost as if maybe the employer knew it was coming. Coke Foods chicken plant also, K-O-C-H. I think you're familiar with the name. And keep in mind, Trump has taken a lot of steps to deregulate things like 
meat processing over the past couple years. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that this uh, huge string of chicken processing plants, at least one of which probably has some ties to the Koch brothers. If not, the name is uh, just a crazy similarity. But when you factor in that deregulation, it actually, I'm sure at least goes a little ways toward negating any money that would be lost by replacing your immigrant workforce, who you're probably massively underpaying, let's be completely honest, and replacing them with a workforce that you have to pay a more reasonable wage. But on the bright side, all this deregulation just happened, so you're probably saving a ton of money there. Not to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I can totally see all of those things somehow, some way in the shadowy, smoky back rooms of our government offices. I can see deals like that happening. Because how do you get the word out? Two hours after a surprise raid, you would think. But was it a surprise raid? Or did these meat processing plants just have an agreement that they were going to get raided, hold a fucking job fair, everything would carry on as normal? Either way, so much for the idea that mass deportations will wreck the economy. Fill in holes. Trump is just filling holes. And for people who got those jobs, opinions on how it happened vary. If you read this article, there's one worker who said, if you're somewhere you ain't supposed to be, they're going to come get you. That's only right. On the other side of things, there's another employee who said, I'm glad that I see my people going to work, but the way they came at the Hispanic race, they act like they're killing somebody. They were only working, you know? And then another quote from the article, it's like I stole it and I really don't like what I stole. But what all three of the people interviewed in that article have in common or all three of the people who I pulled those quotes from have in common, is that above all else, they're probably just relieved to have a job. That shit matters, and it's going to matter a whole lot in 2020. Anyway, let's move on to a few other non-Trump reasons to be terrified, shall we? For example, since the week of Christmas, giant drones measuring up to six feet across have been spotted at night over the skies of Colorado. It was first reported by the Denver Post on December 23rd. They appear each night around 7 p.m. and disappear around 10 p.m. in groups of between 17 to 30 drones. This is a quote from Phillips County Sheriff Thomas Elliott. They've been doing a grid search, a grid pattern. They fly one square and then they fly another square. The FAA, the Air Force, DEA, and Army all say they have no idea where the drones are coming from. This is weird as shit. If you go out and, I mean, the the article I'm referencing is on Business Insider, and it says, giant drone swarm, mystery in Colorado, over in Colorado, Nebraska skies. If you go out and look at videos of this, it's very pretty. It's very, very, very awe-inspiring to see all these lights in the sky. Were it happening in the 90s, people would be calling the authorities to report UFOs. But now we know what drones look like, so we're just like, ah, it's just drones. But what? How is the fucking FAA going to be like, oh, we don't know. Find out! Is there not? This has been happening since December 23rd. Here's an idea. Does anyone in the area have a drone of their own? How about you send it up with that swarm of drones, that flock of drones in the sky, and follow them for the night and see where they land. And if they land at a place 
where there's people in a building that you can go talk to talk to people, maybe show up at that building and say, hey, what the fuck? What are you doing? What's what's going on here? But instead, at least as I record this on December 31st, it feels like people are pretty fucking relaxed about this. And I don't know if I would be. I get that they're just drones and they're not doing anything, but they're doing something. Why do you need 17 of them? Why do you need 30 of them? So many fucking questions that Colorado needs to be asking, but they can't because they're all stoned on legal reefer or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but somebody follow those drones, please. They're drones. Walk under them. They're like 300 feet in the sky. Grab one with a net. Ask it some questions. Also, in other terrifying tech news, Ring and Amazon, which makes the Ring doorbell, in case you were... uh, installing one of those on your home thinking you were doing it guilt-free they were hit with a federal lawsuit over numerous hacks of ring doorbell and home security systems has anyone seen any of these videos they are fucking terrifying and if you go out to youtube and just search ring just search home security system hacked and you will find countless videos where people share their experiences of this exact thing happening to them. In this article on Salon.com that talks about the lawsuit that was just filed, they talk about an incident where a group of kids was playing basketball and someone just hacked a ring doorbell nearby and was like, hey, kids, you're good at basketball. Come closer. Creepy. I mean, no one got hurt, but no one got hurt that time. You don't know what someone with some social engineering skills can do if they get on that mic in front of a group of kids? What if he pretends to be Slender Man and someone gets stabbed over it? In one incident mentioned in the lawsuit, a camera was hacked and used to talk to an eight-year-old girl. Let's listen. I'm your best friend. I'm Santa Claus. I'm I'm Santa Claus. Don't you want to be my best friend? Fucking creepy, dude. And, like, I guess you can tell from that guy's voice that he's just playing around, but that's a a horrible way to play around. And also, is he? Because if you watch the whole video, he starts telling her uh, she can do whatever she wants, she can tear up her room, she won't get in trouble for it. Like, where's that fucking talk going? And either way, this is a massive invasion of privacy. Even if someone hacks your camera and just sits there and watches, it's pretty goddamn creepy. And it's been happening all around the country to so many people because these ring doorbells at the end of the day are a thing you just log into on the internet and just like twitter accounts and facebook accounts and fucking spotify accounts get hacked all the time when me and chet wild were on tour his spotify account got hacked and someone just kept playing japanese pop music on his account and it was amazing we'd be listening to goddamn fastball and then a fucking japanese pop song would jump off brilliant so your ring doorbells and your nest home security systems at the end of the day are about as secure as your twitter account which isn't very secure you can enable two-factor authentication which does help and you can do that on your on your ring doorbells and your twitter accounts alike But a lot of people don't do that, and they use bullshit, stupid passwords that are easy to hack into, and then next thing you know, someone's taken control of your home security system, and now they're fucking with you over it. One of the craziest examples that I found on YouTube was a woman who had a Nest 
home security camera in her house and someone hacked into it and started broadcasting a warning that a missile strike from North Korea was imminent and that everyone should take shelter. Can you fucking imagine? Because look, we know the government can send us all an alert on our phone at the same time. If you're in that situation, are you going to be like, government can't access this ring security system like that. We're fine. No, you're going to fucking freak out and start looking into it and wondering if the world's about to be destroyed. It's going to be pretty goddamn traumatic, even if it's just someone having a giggle on the internet. And like, stop putting these things in your house. Has no one read 1984? Like no one at all. I get that it's a book. It's a work of fiction. But cameras inside your home are such a vital component of the oppression people were living under in that book. And I'm pretty sure those people, fictional as they may be, were at least forced to put those cameras in place. We're just buying them left and right so we can chit-chat with dad about how to make spaghetti. It's insane. But hey, at least world opinion is moving away from the idea that the internet should be spying on you. Just joking. In fact, the UN just approved a Russian-led campaign to create a new convention on cybercrime, sponsored by Russia, backed by China, the twin towers of clean internet use. This panel will work to set up a comprehensive international convention on countering the use of information and communications technologies for criminal purposes. Sounds reasonable enough, except for the part where several countries, China and to some degree Russia included, define criticism of the government as criminal. Human Rights Watch called the resolution's list of sponsors a rogues gallery of some of the Earth's most repressive governments. And the UN signed off on this shit. The United States, shining star, baby. We abstained. We are vehemently opposed to this because we're still pretending to be the standard bearer of human rights around the globe. Whatever the case, it's damn interesting that the UN approved this, and I guess I'll, I guess we'll see where it goes. But I did mention a few weeks back on an Unpops episode that that thing where you shout some keywords at your phone and it starts populating Instagram ads related to that keyword that's a thing that could be turned into surveillance shit pretty fucking easily. And it probably already is used for surveillance to some degree. Like, how hard would it be for a country like China, which is already way out in front in terms of 5G technology, all that shit, how hard would it be for them to turn that into, all right, well, your phone also heard you say some anti-government shit, and we're going to come check that out. And I think we can all agree they're the country most likely to put something like that in place. And now the UN has backed a resolution sponsored by the Internet's biggest monster that would allow China and Russia to write the rules on how the Internet is policed for criminal activity. Pretty fucking intense. Oh, and speaking of Russia and China, let's end on an upbeat note. They have a new friend. Earlier this month, the first ever joint naval drill between Russia, China, and Iran kicked off in the Indian Ocean. Oh, my God. Friendship? Who expected this episode to end on a story of friendship? Here's a quote. The message of this exercise is peace, friendship, and lasting security through cooperation and unity, and its effect will be to show that Iran cannot be isolated 
That is Rear Admiral Golamreza Tahani. Isolated is a very important word in that quote. If you listened to the What in the World podcast, which is an international news and politics podcast that I used to do, maybe I'll get back to it at some point. We spent a lot of time talking about the fact that China wants to basically launch their own oil market where it would be traded in their currency and backed by gold. If you look into the deals they're striking with a lot of African nations, also with Venezuela, a lot of it involves them getting as much gold as they can and other precious metals because they don't just need to set up a new oil market. They also need to make all of our smartphones and you don't use aluminum to make that shit. I mean, in some cases, but some very rare precious metals are needed to make electronics and smartphones. And so China has been going out and making these partnerships with all of these uh, countries, kind of in a, what people are worried is a predatory way where they're lending them, they're basically loaning them money that they know these countries won't be able to pay back. So eventually they'll just have access to all of their resources because they'll default on those loans. So the word isolation there is very important because if you recall, we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal a few months back, or I think it was last year by now, time moves too fast. And we've imposed a ton of sanctions on Iran since then, which kind of limit their ability to sell oil on the open market, which in turn limits their ability to make money because they got a lot of oil. They need to sell it. What China setting up an oil market independent of the U.S. would do, it would allow Iran to once again, if this market takes off and is adopted by uh, people, others who might be wary of the trading in U.S. dollars, like the other countries that are still involved in the Iran nuclear deal, for example, like uh, England and France and Germany and Russia and China, if they were all at all interested in maybe going with a, a Chinese version of an oil market, or even if China just sets one up that Iran can use, we really don't have any recourse against uh, Iran anymore besides war after that point. It's only war. Like Sanctions are our last resort, and we've already imposed sanctions, and now they're buddying up with Russia and China and pulling naval drills in the Indian Ocean. And China has been actively trying to set up their own oil market. It's very possible that Russia, China, and Iran could just team up at some point in 2020. And all of our sanctions in general just become ineffective. But hey, that's such a long time from now. And we're all sending troops and ships to this region. Like we've got a massive military buildup there now. Japan's sending some ships there. It's just what people are doing. It's the hot vacation spot of 2020. I'm sure that's all it is. People just want to hang out in the Indian Ocean. Because when does the Indian Ocean get the love? We talk Atlantic. We talk Pacific. We never talk about the Indian Ocean. Maybe it's all PR. I'm sure somewhere out there there's an Instagram campaign. It's just a blue square for Indian Ocean Fest. And all of these influencers have hopped on. And now all the countries of the world are fleeing to the Indian Ocean to party. I'm sure that's all it is, everybody. I hope nothing in this episode made you nervous at all. Never my intent. I am here only to entertain, just like Alex Jones. I actually made all these stories up. That's not true. It's all real, and it's all horrifying, and 
Hopefully, the world's not on fire by the time this comes out in like three days. But for now, that is our episode. It was nice to get back to doing it in broad daylight. I feel like I haven't done a, a solo podcast in a long time because I haven't. It's been like since September or October or something. Crazy. Daddy was burnt out, but still burnt out, but I guess I'm back at it. Anyway, that's our episode. Whose episode? Ours, mine, and yours. It's a solo cast. It's just for the two of us, baby. Unless you're in a room of people, then it's for all of us. Listen to this at work without headphones. Turn it up loud. I want your whole office to hear it. All right. I don't have anything to plug. Like fucking Instagram, Adam Todd Brown, Todd with one D, and Twitter. Don't follow me on Facebook. Uh, I mean, unless you want to like my fan page, but come on. I don't, I barely use it anymore. I should. It's got a decent following. I could probably promote shit there, but spending money on Facebook in 2020. Gross. I probably am not even allowed. I'm sure I'm too political to post ads on Facebook as compared to like the government of Russia, which will be permeating your Facebook feeds in 2020. Anyway, that was a rant to end this show. Goodbye, everybody. I love you.